dia if you're from Brazil or from Portugal. Buenos dias if you're from Spain. How's it going if you're from Cork, New York, Gorta Hark or Glen and Maddy? Good to see you all in this morning. Welcome, lads. Welcome. Uh, just a couple of little small outstanding things. The first is this. They've both left the room, so I was going to say it's great to have Tom and Denise back. So it's great to have Tom and Denise back, isn't that great? Yay! Just another couple of bits and pieces. If you are viewing in on Facebook or on Instagram, it's good morning to you. Good morning to you. And if it turns out that you are a visitor here this morning, you're very, very welcome. And this next round of applause is to make you feel that welcome. Good to have you here with us. Just a couple of bits and pieces outstanding from last Friday night. Some of the men did not submit their, their permission slips from their wives. If you could give me those permission slips after church, we'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, your wife will know that you were out. The other thing is this, okay? Last Sunday, we had a visitor here from America, right? And we gave, I, I gave him a name because I didn't get his name. And when the service was all over, he was going out. He was listening to our service. And between the announcement about the men's barbecue and Darren's fabulous message about Barack, he heard all about the men, 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 men. And he was going, men, 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 men. And as he was going out the door, he walked up to me and he had some money in his hand, you see. So, and, and, and he said, Pastor, I'd like to make a donation to the men's barbecue, if I could, please. And he's handing me this money. I'm standing out here. I said, like, how do we take money in front of everyone? We'll go down to the back car. Don't take money. <laughs> So I go, so I said, would you mind putting it into the offering box? Thinking to myself, you know, guy's going to put in 15, 20 dollars. God bless him, he's off a cruise ship, lovely American man. So we go home, forget all about it. And next thing, Carol contacts me, said there was a donation of American dollars. I said, I know, I know. The guy told me 15, 20 dollars. She said, no, it was 1,500 dollars. <laughs> that this man's name is Bob Shabalski. okay? So would you mind, and I think he's tuning in this morning on, on, on Facebook or Instagram, just in case Bob was watching, on the count of three, would you help me to say thank you, Bob, okay? On the count of three, nice and loud. One, two, three. Thank you, Bob! Thank you, Bob! Bob Shabalski. I love going to Christian churches and blessing them with thousands of dollars! I'm going to get an email next week and say there's a package of cocaine arriving to your house. Don't say nothing about it, okay? We have an understanding. I want to disrupt this meeting to tell you that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. I want to disrupt this meeting and tell you that God, wherever, however you feel this morning, wants to bless you. That God loves you. He looks favor upon you. You're his child and he wants to bless your life and make your life fruitful. I disrupt the message to say that. Can I get an amen? amen? I want to talk this morning about the disruptor. Now what is a disruptor? Some of you may have heard the term disruptor before. It normally refers to somebody in the tech industry or in some industry where somebody comes along and they do something new or innovative that upsets the whole industry. Normally it relates to kind of tech giants and this kind of stuff. You have guys who are called disruptors. For instance, a, a classic one would have been the likes of um, Steve Jobs, who was the head of uh, Apple. He was a disruptor. And then Bill Gates, he was a disruptor. And then you go to the likes of Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos invented Amazon. Anybody ever here bought something on Amazon? Yeah. Put your hand up and admit it, admit it. You don't support local trade and guaranteed Irish. If you bought something on Amazon, that was a disruptive practice. It disrupted the whole retail industry. Has anybody here got Netflix? I don't. I don't. 
If you've got Netflix, that disrupted the movie industry. Uh, um, Spotify disrupted the music industry. Uber ups, uh, disrupted the the taxi industry. I had to get. I took a taxi in Poland just a, a, just a few weeks ago, and it was an interesting experience. Is there any here from Poland? Anyone here from Poland? Uh, we won't tell me that story. So. <laughs> um, so um, it, anyway, these guys are disruptors. They come in and they disrupt a whole industry and they upset the way things were done. Can I just say this to you? There will be no change without disruption. Yeah. If you do what you always did, you get what you always got. If you do what you always did, you get what you always got. And that's the truth. There has to be some disruption in your life if your life is to change, if your life is to improve, if it is to get better. I want to look today at uh, the disruptor that is Jesus. And I want to look at those who encountered Jesus and I want to talk about the people that experienced his disruption in their lives. When God disrupts our lives, it brings life. It brings life. Because we can have such great plans. Anybody know who this is? John Lennon. If you don't know who John Lennon is, we need to talk to you after church. Tom will beat you up in the courtyard. John Lennon was one of the primary singer-songwriters of the Beatles. And this is what he said about plans. He said, life is what happens when you are busy making other plans. John Lennon ought to know, on a winter's morning in December 1980, he was shot as he left his apartment at the age of 40, and boy did John Lennon have, Lennon it was gonna call him, John Lennon had plans. He had plans, but those plans were cut short and life happened to John. You see, some of us have amazing plans. Some people are super organized. Some people have everything planned for the next 5, 10, 15 years. They may even have the next 5, 10 or 15 weeks planned out. Maybe you had a plan for your life. It maybe has been disrupted already. How many people here were born in Ireland? Love issues. How many people here were not born in Ireland? No, truthfully, how many of you when you were born thought you'd end up living in Ireland? There we go. Your life has already been disrupted, but God's plan is at work. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. You're here for this time. You're here as part of God's plan. Can I get an amen? So we make these plans, and then God comes in and disrupts them. Some people control them, but there's two types of people who do plans. The super controlling, organized people. You know you go into your house and you don't, you don't want to touch a surface in case you're dirty. You know the variety. It's absolutely perfectly clean. Everything is so organized and their lives are so planned out. And then there's the kind of laid back, oh, how's it going, man? Welcome to my house, man. And it looks like somebody just backed in a rubbish truck and dumped all the rubbish into the garden. One of those kind of people. Now, neither of those two really has it down. The kind of bend destiny to my will types, now the, ah, oh, we'll see what comes along type, actually are in tune with what God wants. God wants us to make plans. The Bible's full of it. It teaches us to make plans. Here's what it says in Psalm 90. It's called the prayer of Moses. This is what Moses said. He said, Lord, teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. Wise with our time. Wise with our energy. Wise with our resources. Wise in our relationships. Wise with how we live. Because our lives are short. 4,000 weeks. If you live to the age of 80, you have 4,000 weeks. Our weeks are running out. Your time is running out. I've said it before, and I say it to you again. When you die... You probably will not run out of money, but you will run out of time. So use the time wisely. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. Can I get an amen? amen. We make plans and use time wisely. But then on the flip side of it, not only we to make plans and be prepared and realize how short our days are, 
We should also remember that we only have today. Jesus himself said this. He said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Today is give us today our daily bread. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. Give us today our daily bread. That is why organizations like um, Alcoholics Anonymous always say it's just one day at a time. You can only fight today's battles today. Grace is only available for today. Mercy is only available for today. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. So don't worry about tomorrow. Can I get an amen? amen. Stay in today. Here's what James wrote. He wrote this to the Christians. Uh, he was in the early or the late New Testament period. This is what James wrote. He said this. He said, some of you say today or tomorrow, we'll go to some city, we'll stay there, do business and make money. But then he says, but you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like we make our plans, but we don't know. Nuclear war, an asteroid strike, your girlfriend breaks up with you. Just praying against that right now. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Your subscriptions to Netflix run out and you're bored. Hallelujah. <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. This is what he says though. He says, your life is a miss. It's a miss. That's all your life is. We are a moment. Beautiful song we used to sing years ago. We are a moment. You are eternal. God is eternal. We are just a moment. Your life is a mist, he says. You can see it for a while and then it goes by. So you should say, if the Lord wants, we will live and do this and do that. And so I hear Christians, I say it all the time. I say, God willing, if I'm here this time next year. God willing, if we get to the end of this week. God willing, if we get through that. But it's not just a matter of words. It's a matter of keeping your plans and keeping your reality humble before God and within the bones of God's revealed purpose and revealed plan. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know who holds tomorrow. Can I get an amen? We know that. He says, if the, it's not just about saying the words, it's about having that heart attitude and keeping all of our plans held lightly. You see, all of the, if you look at the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament patriarchs and most of the major characters, in actual fact, pretty well anyone who's worth their salt, actually had their lives and their plans disrupted. You see, if you start off, you start off with Abraham, Abraham's having a grand old time for himself, eating grapes in his parents' tent and the Lord says to him, get up and leave this place and go to a land I will send you. Then his son Isaac has to travel down to Egypt and travel back up to the land of Canaan. And then his son Jacob has to do, make, do a runner back to his grandfather's place and make his way back to Canaan again. So all of their plans and all the plans they had were all disrupted. And you get on, you get on to Moses. Moses, what a great plan. Moses is being raised in the, in the palace of Pharaoh and one day he realizes that he's not really an Egyptian, he's actually a Jew, he's an Israelite, and he kind of makes his moves, and as a result, his whole life is disrupted. He was a prince, and he gave it up. And why did he give it up? The book of Hebrews says he kept going because he kept his eyes on him who could not be seen. He knew that God had a better plan. He knew that God had a better way. So his whole life was disrupted. Now you can go on to David and go on to all of the New Testament major characters, including most especially Paul. Paul is on his way to, he's Saul at the time, he's on his way to Damascus. His plan is to destroy the Jesus movement. And then Jesus appears to him on the road, knocks him off his horse, not with his shoulder, his arm, just the brightness of his glory. And he speaks to him, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See how personally Jesus takes the fate and the welfare of his people? Amen. Why are you persecuting me? 
and he's disrupted in his process. But my goodness, did that disruption bring life? When God disrupts, it always brings life. When Paul had that encounter with God, his life has changed and transformed. Same for Moses, same for Abraham, same for Isaac, same for Jacob. It is disruption of God in their life plans that changes them and puts them on a completely different trajectory. Now I know that you know, because I know, that I know lots of people whose lives are on the wrong trajectory. They're not aiming for the kingdom of God. They're not going towards the kingdom of heaven. And I pray daily for the ones that I love and long for, that God will disrupt their plans. That God will disrupt them. That he will show up like he showed up so often in the Old Testament and the New Testament and change people's plans. You see, the old Jews, the ancient Jews, the Orthodox Jews say to this day, had a phrase. It was quoted by Woody Allen in one of his movies. And this is the phrase. It says, if you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans. Tell him what you think your life is going to be like. And he's going to get a good old giggle out of that one. He's going to enjoy that when he sings, oh, you these plans. Because God's plans always prevail. God's plans always prevail. Psalm 2 talks about the nations plotting against God. And do you know what it says? It says the Lord sits in heaven and he laughs. He has a good old laugh at the plans of the nations, at the plans of kings and emperors and rulers. His plans always prevail. That's much easier to surrender than to be conquered. Can I get an amen? amen. It's better to, be, to surrender than to be conquered. I'm going to look at the plans that one guy had. He's a guy called Peter. Peter had plans in his life. I'm going to look at them in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And I'm going to look at these plans just very briefly and look at what happened to Peter when he has a disruption to his life. You're very familiar with this story, so please don't let, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know the story. So please don't let its familiarity bounce off you. Take it into your heart. Listen to the word of God. It will speak prophetically to your situation today. Mark my words. It will speak to you. To him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hallelujah. May God bless us as we read his word. One day, as Jesus was standing, minding his own business at the Lake of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats belonging to Simon, also called Peter, and asked him to pull out a little bit from the shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now you're Simon Peter, okay? You're sitting there, you're doing your job, you're just doing the job that you, you, know, you, you have to do, you're making a living for your family, you're a fisherman, not a great job, not the best job in the world. But you know, you're making a living and you're providing for your family and you're doing an honorable and a good thing and you're doing a manly thing. Can I get an amen? amen. It's good to work. Amen. amen. For men and women, amen? amen? Yes, it's good to work. So he's doing about his business and I don't know what plans Peter has in his head. Maybe Peter's planning to become the emperor of Rome, but I doubt it. Maybe he's planning to become the king in Jerusalem, but I doubt that too. Maybe he's planning to have the biggest fishing fleet on the Lake of Galilee. Maybe that is something that he has in mind. I don't think that's not an unreasonable thing to do. The guy's got ambition, he's got desire, he's got passion. If you read his life, you'll know all about it. But he's sitting there one day minding his own business. Minding his own business. Not looking for trouble. 
not looking for any hassle, just minding his own business. When along comes this Jesus and says, he gets into his boat and says, would you mind pushing out there from the edge? Who's your man? Who is this Jesus that comes on and just gets into my boat and says, would you mind there, just push off from there today, I want to talk to those people. I mean, imagine it happened to you. You're sitting in your car on McCurtain Street after church here because you brought your car to church because you're not carbon neutral. Anyway, he, you get into your car, right, after church and you're driving up McCurtain Street and somebody just walks over, opens the door, sits into the car and says, if you wouldn't mind, take me to Douglas, please. <laughs> It might be me, actually, because my car's broken down at the moment. Anyway, so you, get, so you get into the car, somebody gets into your car. What would you think? You'd think, who's your man? Who does this person think they are? What on earth is going on here? You don't just walk up and take people's property and interfere with their property and interfere with their plans. You mind your own business, isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Mind your own business. The Bible is full of telling us to mind our own business. Read the book of Proverbs. For heaven's sake, read the book of Proverbs and you'll see that. Tom and I were minding our own business one night, sitting up in St. Luke's up here. We were sitting in his car and we were having this conversation, late night conversation. And we, we were out that evening and we were chatting inside in the car. And while we were sitting in the car, I was in the passenger seat, Tom's in the driver's seat. There's a knock on the window. So we're kind of, hey, yeah, comrade, you know about uh, Next thing, there's a knock on the window. And I turn around and there's a woman standing outside the door. And I, 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 so I rolled on the window and said, yeah, or something along the lines of, can I help you? She said, if you wouldn't mind there, give us a spin down to the city centre, would you mind? <laughs> Welcome to Cork. Would you mind? It probably happens in other places too. But, and I, I, I said, sorry, like, like what? Like, this just doesn't happen. She said, would you mind? Just give us a spin down. It's only as far as the city centre. Like, it's only a small spin. So I, I looked at her and I said, uh, uh, no, no, sorry. We're not going that way. So she stood back. Pulled up her hand and clattered me right across the face. And said something along the lines of, forget you. And walked off. Because you don't do that. You let people alone. You don't disturb their business. You leave them alone. But Jesus always disturbs our business. Mm. Lord, leave my business alone. I just want a bit of peace. If you wouldn't mind, just bless me without you. Would that be okay? Can I, can I get the blessing but not all the hassle? Please, Lord. He gets into one of the boats and it says, when he finished speaking, he said to Peter, Simon, pull out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. No, with respect, right? Jesus is a rabbi, Peter's a fisherman. Which one would you trust more to do the fishing? Like, seriously, you're just a guy who's made a whole career of it, right? He's got a business, fishing. But this was different. And so Peter said to him, Master, look, we've worked hard all night. Like we're exhausted, we've been working, we're really tired, we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, which sounds to me like he's just being respectful of the rabbi, look, because you say so, look, if you say so, we'll do it. He does it, he says, because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. Let me tell you, when you honor God in your life, your nets will begin to break. You'll be so full and overflowing. And that tells you something. That's not word of faith or this kind of super, oh, everything will be fine. No, it's God's reality. He blesses people who obey him. It's that simple. When you honor God in your life, God honors you. I can say for me, just like David, there was a time when my glass was half full, but no, my cup overflows. Hallelujah. My cup overflows because of the goodness of God. And when he had done that, he got such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. It goes on to say, so this signal to the partners in the other boats like the boat's sinking to come and help them and they began to fill both boats both boats 
two boats, not one boat, two boats, so full that they began to sink. <coughs> so you're fishing all night, nothing happens, you're bored, you're cleaning the nets, you think, I'm not cleaning the nets, for there's nothing to be caught, you're cleaning the nets, and then at the word of Jesus, at the word of Jesus, they follow his instructions, and lo and behold, they fill two boats with the fish. They are inundated with the blessing of God. But there's so much more going on here. They are meeting with God himself. And their plans for their business and their lives are about to be seriously disrupted. Then Simon Peter, when he saw this, he fell on his knees before Jesus. And he said, Lord, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Nobody accused you of sin, Peter. What, what, what are you on about? Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Because you know something about Peter? Peter was a fisherman. What do fishermen like to catch? Fish, yeah, you could say a cold, but they want to catch fish. Very often they've got fish and caught a cold. They want to catch fish. And I'd imagine that Peter tossed and turned in bed at night, dreaming of nets full of fish so that he could buy more boats. He could invest in his business and provide for his family and for his wife and for maybe his mother and his father because that's what he would have had responsibility to do. And then suddenly, here he is, two boatfuls of fish and he realizes it wasn't fish that he wanted all along at all. He knew something else. He was having an encounter with God. How many people, like Jacob in the Old Testament, have come to the Lord with demands, and then when they get what they want, or people who've ignored the Lord, worse, much worse, all of their lives, ignored God, pursued money, material wealth, have pursued relationships, have pursued sex, have produced identity, have pursued anything you fancy, only to get what they wanted and realize it wasn't what they wanted at all. How many men have lain on their hospital beds and said, I wish I'd spent more time in the office making money. None is the answer, in case you're wondering. <laughs> How many people lie in their hospital bed saying, I wish I'd spent more time with my son. I wish I'd spent more time with my daughter. I wish I'd spent more time with my wife. Especially I spent more time with my friends and with my family instead of pursuing a dream that would never fulfill. And so Peter has his dreams fulfilled. Two full boats of fish. Hallelujah. But he realizes it's not what he wants at all. It goes on to say, for he and his companions were astonished at the size of the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. Jesus said to him, Simon, don't be afraid. Afraid of what? Fish? <laughs> Don't be afraid, Simon. You're having an encounter with God Almighty himself. And when God shows up, it's a good time to be afraid. It's a good time to go, what's my life like? And Peter realized he was in the presence of greatness and his plans were being disrupted. Don't be afraid because from now on, forget the fish boy, you are going to fish for people. I've got great plans for you, Peter. I've got great plans for you, Peter. And if you're struggling in your life right now, wondering where am I going, what am I going to do, trust me, God has great plans for your life. God has great plans for your life. You're going to fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore. 
and left everything behind <coughs> and they followed him. They left everything, even the fish that they waited so much to catch. They left the fish. They left, there was so much provision that they were able to leave the very fish that they had caught behind. They left their boats behind. They left their income behind. They left their families behind. They left everything to follow Jesus. They left a lot. They just abandoned everything. They just went, I'm going to follow Jesus. We read that Peter had a wife, but the other lads, they were all single and they would stay single for the rest of their days. They left everything and followed Jesus. Have you followed Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus? You see, Jesus never said the following phrases. He never said, you do you. Never said it. In <laughs> fact, he said something closer to, you do me. Amen. He never said, follow your heart. He said, follow me. Hallelujah. He never said, follow your dreams. No, he said, follow me. Amen. And when you follow him, and your life is disrupted, it will bring life to your life, I guarantee you. You see, my life was disrupted. I didn't have any particular plans. I was maybe person B. I was kind of, I don't know, a young fella, 18 years of age, plans for life, what? I barely have plans for the weekend, what are you talking about? But I walked into a meeting, and I went, went amongst worshipping Christians, and the presence of God was so real there that it disrupted the rest of my life. Hallelujah. The whole direction of my life was completely changed when I walked into that meeting on January night in 1986. And I've never been the same again. Amen. Have I had trouble? Mm, once or twice. <laughs> Have I made mistakes? One or two. <laughs> Have I done the wrong thing in my life? Mm, on the odd occasion. But my life has never been the same again. Amen. When you follow Jesus, your life will never be the same again. When he is the first thing in your life, your life will never be the same again. And his disruptions always, 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 always bring life. Hallelujah. And so Peter's life would never be the same again. From then on, he would become a fisher of men. And his whole life would be continually a series of disruptions. He would promise that he's never going to deny Jesus, but then only to go on and deny him. He would say, Lord, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Only after us to go, I don't know who the man is. He would be discouraged and downhearted and weeping and brokenhearted, only for God to lift him up again and Jesus to restore him. And then on the day of Pentecost, he's the guy who stands up and says, this is what was said by the prophet Joel and preached the gospel of Jesus. He was also the guy to whom, to whom? They came and said, no longer is the, the gospel going to be for the Jews. It's going to be for the non-Jews as well. Peter's the first guy to cross the divide and to preach the gospel to non-Jews uh, like us. Hallelujah. It's one of the most important chapters in the Bible. Read it, Acts chapter 10. You can't go wrong. Read it, listen to it, take it into your soul, what God was doing through Peter. And so his life was continually disrupted from then on, but it always brought a disruption of life. So far so that Peter ended up in accordance with tradition, the tradition of the Bible, that he ended up being crucified upside down just outside the city of Rome. But I guarantee you, no matter what trial or trouble he faced, he would never, ever, ever replay one minute of what happened to him on that quiet lake shore that one morning when he caught all those fish and met with Jesus Christ. It will be the same for you if you follow him. 
with all your heart. Now I know that you have plans, I know lots of people over here have plans, and I know people in Block B here have lots of plans, and C have plans, and D have plans, but how's about if we had God's plan that worked in our lives instead of our plans? How's about saying, Lord, let your plans prevail over my plans? Could I get an amen? How's about saying to the Lord, Lord, the people that we love, the people that we long for, we pray that you would disrupt their plans so that they might have an encounter with you. Will we pray that in a few moments? And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus disrupts. He always disrupts. When he came, his coming itself, it disrupted time. He then disrupted the traditions and he disrupted the temple. He then went on to disrupt business and he disrupted science. He also disrupted the expectations of what the Messiah would be like. He disrupted careers. He, he disrupted uh, families. He disrupted physics. He disrupted politics. He disrupted all of these things. He also disrupted the hypocrites who were going in the wrong direction and teaching the wrong thing. He disrupted the demons. He disrupted the devil. He disrupted disease. And he disrupted death itself when he rose from the grave on the third day. He disrupted everything. He disrupted Jairus' daughter who was dead. He disrupted Lazarus who was dead. And he himself was disrupted from his sleep of death by the power of God Almighty. And he has changed the world. He has changed the world so much that I put it to you that he is the great disruptor. There has never been anyone like him. There will never ever be anyone like him. He is the one and only true savior of the world. And he will disrupt us again when he comes on the clouds of glory. And we see him coming. When we hear the last trumpet blow and we are taken up to meet him in the air, then everything will be disrupted. Mark my words. Hallelujah. But still today, still today, in your life he disrupts. He still does it. He does it even today. And he disrupts negative cycles as well. He disrupts fears. He disrupts addictions. He disrupts broken relationships. He, he disrupts bad trajectories. He does it all the time. He disrupts even the weather. Hallelujah. And if you live in Ireland in the summer, you're glad that someone can disrupt the weather. <laughs> the disciples are in the middle of a storm going across the Sea of Galilee. They're crying like little girls. No offense meant to any little girls. They're crying like little girls. Big hairy sailor men are crying. They're howling saying, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? The storm came down upon them. And you know something some commentators think? That this was a demonic storm that blew across the lake because he was on his way to deliver the man called Legion in a region called Dalmanutha. He was on his way to do that. And next thing is, the storm blows up and they're all frightened. And they wake up, Lord, it's beautiful. It says that Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. He's asleep. The storm is going. And he's asleep. No, he's not asleep because he's got a bad back. He's probably asleep because he's a bit tired. But you know why he's asleep? He's asleep because I don't care what this storm brings. I am safe in my heavenly Father's hands. Hallelujah. Can you sleep in the storm, brothers and sisters? Let's be the people who sleep in the storm. Hallelujah. So they wake him up and they say, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care? Like we're going to drown. Can't you do something? What were you thinking? Can't you do something? It says this. It says Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind. Silence! Be still! And there was great calm. And then he asked them, Why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith that God can disrupt the storm in your life? 
Do you still have no faith that God can move in that situation and disrupt your reality and bring about his best plans? Why do you have so little faith but that you yourself will not live with empty nets but see them full and overflowing? Why were you so afraid? Do you have no faith? They cried like children in the middle of the storm. But then it says this. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Can you imagine if it happened to you? You gotta be in the boat. You gotta be in the boat. You're tossed and turned and you can't swim. You're in the middle of the lake. The waves are billowing. The, the, the wind is billowing. The waves are filling up the boat. You think, this is it. It's lights out. After all these years on this boat, I'm gonna go down to the bottom of the drink, down to old Davy Jones' locker. You're finished. You think you're gonna die. And then somebody in the boat, you say, would you help us? And he stands up and says, silence, be still. And everything stops. Who's your man? <laughs> That's power. I can't do that. You can't do that. But Jesus can do it. Amen. And he disrupts the storm. He disrupts the storm. And whatever storm you face, or whatever storm the people that you love and that you long for face, he can disrupt that storm and bring his calm and bring his peace and bring his provision into your situation. Can I get an amen? amen. So how's about saying, Lord, would you disrupt my plans? Would you disrupt whatever plans I have? Bring about your best plan. Let your plan prevail. Would you want to pray that? Yes.